Howdy, Dis After Dark listeners. Toy Story Land is opening up at Hollywood Studios on June 30th. Book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new. Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to a special Easter edition of Diz After Dark. Uh, I'm Nick and as always I'm joined by uh, my lovely co-hosts, firstly Mr Craig Lucas. Good evening. Uh, Also joined by P-Dubs himself, Paul Washington. Buongiorno. And what would an episode of Diz After Dark be without our beloved Mr D? How you doing, Mr. D? Evening, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> Saw you in a big smoke. Um, yes, uh, so this is the first episode post the drunken episode of Disaster Dark, which some of you lucky people may may hear if you patron us. I was, um, you're, you're missing out on a treat, let me say that much. But <laughs> speaking of treats, have we got a treat for you? Because we have an extremely special guest, none other than the man and the legend that is Mr. Jim Hill. Well, hi guys, and how come I didn't get invited to the pub? You know, I mean, I, all right, there's an ocean in between us. I understand that might have been an imposition. It but... was. I think it was the time difference. The clocks were just about to go forward in the UK. You was ah. yours had gone back, uh, gone forward a few weeks before us, and I just thought it was going to be a mess with the time zones. To be honest, Jim. Okay, so spring forward, throw a drink back. Got it. Okay, good. Okay. So. Now, there's, um, there's a motto if everyone so. heard one. <laughs> so. Right, and speaking of drinks, as we kick off each and every show, uh, I'm going to go around and ask, what is everybody drinking? So, Craig, what are you drinking? 
I've got a nice ice cold pint of Stella. Cheers, everyone. Chin chin. <laughs> P dubs, what you want? Uh, I'm I'm still sobering up, so I've got a nice cold glass of water. <laughs> Don't yeah. whiskey, no. That quadruple no. whiskey before you left. Not a triple. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had, you had a triple one in a, a single, didn't you? Rough. Mm. Uh, Mr. D, what about yourself? Um, I'm just Mr. Consistent. I'm still on the cider. Very good. Can this time, though. Not draft. Not draft. And uh, Mr. Hill, what are you uh, drinking tonight? I, 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 decidedly feminine. What is this? This is a peach mango iced tea. It, it's going to... Oh boy! I, let me go get my hoop skirt. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was what was in the fridge. All right, I didn't think ahead. All right, I... next time I promise something with a little hair on it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> All it needs is a, a dash of vodka. Um, well, there you know, we go. It's quite funny because obviously uh, the UK is known for tea, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's very famous for tea, and yet we barely do anything with regards to iced tea you know you you can get it in you know, starbucks do it um and you can buy a couple of flavors of lipton uh, and that's it we don't really sell iced tea in this country even though we're known as a nation of tea drinkers yeah and stateside to be honest i you know that the big sort of american tea thing uh well other than of course the heaving it into the boston harbor which we'll overlook um you know the <laughs> I, I, there we go um it, it's it was in the 70s that suddenly everybody you know it was like lifting iced tea it was on television and nancy has family in the south so we go down there repeat well you know from disney it's like would you like tea or sweet tea and it's like mm. so it's like it's like okay so what's the difference it's like well do you want a really severe case of diabetes it's like well yes you know and that <laughs> So, um, yeah, the sweet tea is always so impressive. It's like, you know, love to knock back a beverage and have my teeth fall out at the same time. So, <laughs> but. well, it, it's quite funny, Jim, that you mentioned uh, the Boston Tea Party. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not drinking tea, but I have got a bottle of Samuel Adams Boston Lager. What are the odds of that? Well, there you go. Ew. I, uh, there we go. It was on sale uh, at a shop near me uh, at the weekend, so I, I stocked up. So you might hear me drink a few of these over the okay. next uh, few episodes. Um, but as I said, uh, we've got Jim on. Uh, Jim has been on the show a, a few times before, um, and always great entertainment. So we're delighted to have you back, and we know you're extremely busy. Um, I would usually ask this question towards the end of the show but i'm going to ask it at the beginning because i'm a bit interested um uh, mm-hmm. i believe you're working on a new project at the moment oh um it's well I, <laughs> len and i are sort of bumping out our podcast network so we've got uh we started obviously we've been doing disney dish for uh, a number of years now and in december uh, the gentleman who edits the, uh, the the Disney Dish podcast, Aaron Adams. It turns out he was this colossal Marvel freak, and we got uh, given he had this crazy in depth knowledge. Uh, we got the Marvel Us Disney podcast going, and we're, we're about to kickstart. God help us, two other podcasts. Uh, one about uh, Lucasfilm, uh, the, the Star Wars stuff. Looking at Lucasfilm. And uh, that one I am doing with uh, Dan Zarr. He's the the gentleman uh, behind Coffee with Kenobi. He writes for StarWars.com and IGN. 
And then we've got a one that's focusing on Disney and Pixar, which will be called Fine Tuning. Uh, and that's with uh, Drew Taylor, who writes for Movie Line. So uh, basically, I don't sleep anymore. Um, you know, just, you know, just got the way too much podcasting. But I, on the other hand, it's there is so much going on with the Walt Disney Company these days. It's crazy. Um, you know, it just I, I, just last week with the the giant announcement about you know the huge Marvel things that are going into Hong Kong and Paris and California and and you know and, and again to watch all the people in Walt Disney World weeping softly, you know, because it's like what, what do we get? And it's like well, well, the Guardians ride provided Universal isn't looking, um, you know, but yeah, it's it's a big crazy crazy busy time for the company. Yeah, well, I know all about ridiculous podcast schedules. I think I recorded six last week, um, ah. and that's that's on our own. That's on our tiny little network of about five shows, and I wasn't even on all of them. So um, I, I get probably about the same amount of sleep as you, Jim. Actually, so I okay. definitely right, have uh, de- definitely have sympathies with you there. But okay. Yeah, I think I think I did five last week as well. <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to. <laughs> gonna have to take notes, guys. You're gonna have to explain <laughs> how to do this because at some point, you know, in my case, the head is empty, and it's like they go, "Well, well, what about this?" And you know, the you know, the poor editor has to cut out the long uh, noise. Well, um, the first thing that you, you two things. Firstly, I think your audience is probably about ten times the size. But secondly, an editor, we're uh, we're our own editors. That's why these podcasts aren't as great as yours. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, mean, I have to admit, it, Len insisted on the editor and, and brought in Aaron, and he, he's done an absolutely brilliant job. But it's just sort of like, um, I, you know, again, it's, it's, you know, I listen to the shows, and what did you do? And it's like, well, he took out all the stupid stuff. And it's like, but I can still hear myself talking. <laughs> um, so, all right. Anyway, so again, enough about me. Let's talk about why i'm here and again that's all the again the crazy stuff that disney has been up to since the last time we chatted well i think um p-dubs you, you kind of prepared a, a few things to talk about but definitely one on the top of the list for me is mm-hmm. something you just actually alluded to very briefly mm-hmm. uh, which is this big marvel announcement because we've talked before on here about um what they've done in Hong Kong previously. So when um, we had a guest on who'd gone to Hong Kong um, as the Iron Man experience had opened up and he got to go on it during soft opening uh, and he told Mm -hmm. us all about that. Um, And then we did a show um, about five or six weeks ago now um, when Bob Iger made that massive announcement uh, for Disneyland Paris and obviously with Disneyland P- Paris being the the kind of home park for us um, mm. very very exciting news um, but even I was like caught by surprise by this mega Marvel announcement that they did the other week well again you know that that uh, what's really great for you guys especially with Disneyland Paris being your home park is is you know last year when the Walt Disney Company decided that, you know, it was going to take, you know, buy up all the loose shares and become the majority stockholder and the outright owner of that resort. Um, you know, Iger isn't playing around. I mean, that's, you know, they, 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 
They spent all of that dough, and then they turned around, and you think about it. You're going to not only get the Marvel area, which is, you know, you get the first taste of it this year with the hero, uh, Summer of Heroes. Yeah. Uh, but but right behind that, you've got your very own version of Batu. Uh, in fact, you know, imagine a friend I was talking with was like, yeah, with Disneyland Paris, we are definitely going to fix the mistakes that we've been, we are currently making in Anaheim and Orlando. <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and, and we can get into that later if you'd like. Uh, and then on top of that, the frozen land where it's just sort of like, um, yeah, you guys are getting, a, a, you know, a, I want to say it's a billion four worth of new attractions and um yeah the, the, first things first is going to be all of this marvel stuff uh i'm sure you've been following what's coming for this summer how uh, that what they shut down cinemagic uh late last year early this year and just gutted that theater to the walls well it's been um, closed. It, it closed yeah. last april i think so there we go yeah, yeah. long time yeah. to gut it all mm-hmm. out yeah yeah, so uh, that one, um, I, I know I've got the name of that somewhere, but that's that's your indoor stunt show where you've got uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and I want to say Spidey and Black Widow. And what's kind of interesting about this is that supposedly those four are going head-to-head with Thanos, which, you know, the, the mm. guy who's been gathering the all the jewels for the or the infinity stones for the 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 gauntlet and it's just sort of like you know it's one of these things where it's like you're you're building a a theme park attraction around the big scary guy who can alter reality it's like oh yeah i can see kids lining up to that sure go ahead you know it's like um and then there's an outdoor stunt show that features thor and loki that's going to be done in the street there uh, there are lots of meat and grief, but again, this is sort of the plant the flag in the ground. Uh, and then from there, it just gets crazy. They are, you guys are basically going to get the, uh, shield training headquarters. Uh, this is the same attraction that's actually being built at Shanghai. I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Hong Kong, not Shanghai. Uh, Hong Kong, for those of you who haven't been following it, they're closing down their Buzz Lightyear uh, Astro Blaster attraction. And in its place, I mean, it's just sort of down the street from where Iron Man got built. Uh, they are building an Ant-Man and the Wasp shooter attraction. I mean, it's just, it's kind of what Disney World did when they changed out uh, Dream Flight, the, that ride-through incredibly lame ride-through attraction uh, that they had in Tomorrowland Forever where you, you know, whatever airline was sponsoring it at that point, it was like, you know, it's like, come sit through a three-minute long commercial about how you should be a plane going on a plane going to someplace fun. And it's like, you understand I'm in Orlando, right? You know, um, but um, but yeah, that they, they, they're doing the same thing. They're flattening uh, all the Buzz Lightyear scenery. They're pulling out all the figures, and it's going to be now a ride-through where you're being recruited to help Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, take down a villain. Um, so, but but the project right behind that, and it is so large that they've had to do what they did with uh, in Hong Kong with Grizzly Gulch and Mystic Point and Toy Story Land, which is 
build on the other side of the train tracks. They had to go outside the berm. And there is going to be a shield headquarters, this giant sleek building with, you know, a couple of just crazy state-of-the-art attractions inside of it. Uh, but that's, you know, when you're looking at that, well, I'm sure you guys have looked at the concept art for what they're doing at Walt Disney Studios Paris. And it's, you know, Disney has gotten the vague concept art uh, painting down to a science. I mean, you look <laughs> at the thing and it's like, is that a building? Is that a cloud? Is that, you know, but you're, you're really excited because you see like paint and colors and well, that's, that's rectangular that should be a building um so um but yeah you you've got some absolutely killer stuff coming uh on the other hand if you are a fan of uh, twilight zone tower of terror uh you might want to get in a ride this summer uh because you guys next summer supposedly you guys are going to get uh guardians of the galaxy mission breakup mm. uh you're going to get the, the and i have to tell you if you have not experienced this attraction in Anaheim is a flat out, I swear to God, this is the best attraction that Disney has done in the past five years. Um, you know, for example, the, you know, you know, in fact, the people in the, the White House right now would love it if the Donald Trump figure in Hall of Presidents moved as well and looked as good as Rocket oh, uh, in, in Guardians. That uh, Rocket yeah. animatronic. Uh, we, we looked at the video last year, didn't we? Uh, when yep. when that first come out, and because the thing yeah. is, like, I'll be honest, like, whilst I've always enjoyed the Twilight Zone uh, Tower of Terror, I've never been uh, as in love with the theming as everyone else. Like, I think it's good, but I think yep. Twilight Zone's a mm-hmm. bit hokey. And you know, I've said many times that my problem now is that we've got a whole generation of of people that don't know what the Twilight Zone is. I know they're mm-hmm. going to be doing another series of it uh, in the next couple of years, but the fact is, no one remembers. Well, the Twilight Zone is in that younger demographic. The Guardians, everyone does now. But mm-hmm. when they, when I first started seeing the footage of the attraction and I saw the the rocket animatronic, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So impressed. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing, you know, what's intriguing about that, Disney really doesn't play this up. That is the first all-electric animatronic. Now, normally what Disney does is there's a, a system of hydraulics. They, they found that... You know, early on, you know, when when Walt was doing, you know, the, the the original Imagineers were working on these things, they found that when they used fluid, again, you you and you know, you you push pressure through hoses and that sort of thing, you got fluid movement. You didn't, you know, where electronics were in the late fifties, early sixties, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, when you used, you know, when you didn't do a fluid based system, it it really you got some strange movement out of Lincoln. Um, but the, the flip side of it, I don't know if you guys ever heard the story that the problem was the early version of the hydraulic fluid that they used for this stuff was bright red. And, you know, so at one point they brought in a reporter, you know, a female reporter to look at the Lincoln figure. And so they fired it up in front of her and a hose blew. And it was one of these things. And so this woman was you know, horrified because, you know, here's Abraham Lincoln, you know, the American president who was famously assassinated and in front of her and giving the speech and suddenly his chest is hemorrhaging. Oh, and, God. 
<laughs> so you know they 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 had to sort of get I think you know they fan her awake after she fainted. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, that so this one this is all electric. That's one of the reasons why you get that amazingly smooth movement. I mean, uh, um, but yeah, that, so that's coming to uh, you know the, the, to Paris. So. Uh, again, and, and look, you're not wrong about the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. In fact, think about it. That's one of the reasons why when they finally added Tower of Terror to Tokyo Disney Seas, they just checked the, the Twilight Zone mythology entirely. The Japanese don't know Rod Serling. The mm. Japanese aren't familiar with this TV show. They had to invent, uh, you know, an entirely different mythology, the whole Harrison Hightower you know, uh, you know the the multi billionaire who collect rare objects and brought the wrong one home. Um, but yeah, the um, but actually, if, if we want to jump to Anaheim for a minute, I mean, I'm, I'm sure also you heard uh, how they're in the process of cutting down a Bugs Land uh, at Disney California Adventure, which uh, I, let's be honest, that's. You know, I, 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 the five people who will actually weep about that are probably members of John Lasseter's family. Um, you know, you know, the, the rest of us are like, oh yeah, the carnival rides that you built on the cheap, yeah, you know, that, that that you rushed in there in two thousand two when nobody liked California Adventure. Um, they have got Len actually found the uh, the patent. Uh, that had been filed online for the attraction that they're building. They need all three acres of where uh, a bug's life or a bug's land was built because they are going to be building the craziest Spider-Man attraction on the planet. I mean, I don't get me wrong. You know, the, the, the uh, amazing adventures of Spider-Man, the, the attraction that's at, uh, you know, uh, uh, Universal's Island's Adventure. Mm-hmm is already great. I mean, in fact, you know, they did a wonderful update a couple of years ago where they changed it out from film projection to digital production projection and actually reconfigured the scoops. So they came in and out of the scenes, you know, that much faster and they made it a better ride. It was always a great ride, but the better ride, but this thing that the Imagineers have designed, it's crazy. Um, uh, uh, basically, all right. I uh, picture this, the, the, you know, how, um, a grandfather clock. You have that pendulum inside that powers it, that swings back and forth. Um, picture your ride vehicle, which in this case will just be a seat hanging from that pendulum. Okay. And now picture yourself in the canyons of New York, like 30 stories up swinging back and forth between buildings that's what this ride is. That that you, you literally you are fire, following Spidey as he goes through the city and encounters a villain, you know, uh, and you know, and you and you're right behind it. But the evidently they're going to do these amazing projections on the floor that will extend the set, so you'll you'll have these fully dimensional sets around you that are you know brownstones and skyscrapers and construction cranes and those sorts of the physical props you'll encounter as you're swinging back and forth but you're as you look down you are seeing the streets of new york from 30 stories up you are seeing traffic go back and forth you are seeing you know i you know that the, the rest of the buildings extend down and you know i, I was talking to the, the imaginary friend who's working on it and it's like 
So these screens, you're going to be able to wipe stuff off of them, right? Because people are going to vomit, right? You know that. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, we're we're kind of working on that. Um, it does yeah. sound horrendous. Um, I, I think it was actually you, Paul, that that brought that to our attention last year. Yeah. Um, and I, I said it looks horrendous to me. Like <laughs> I, I'd not been to Universal. Um, Jim, I'd not been to Orlando um, in in seven years until last year. Me and Craig mm-hmm. went out for the weekend, as English people do, you know. And um, okay. that, that makes sense, right. you know. Fly, right. fly, you know, ten hours out to spend a weekend and fly home again. Um, but I, that was the first time I'd been on the Spider Man attraction since the upgrade. Um, and considering how old that ride is, and it's coming up to uh, what nineteen years this year, I think um, it's incredible. I know I know they've redone it, but it still feels like an amazing ride. But this, the the concept fills me with utter dread. Well, but you see, this is the thing, you know, that that in the world we live in now, in this theme park, uh, you know, and again, you know, it's just it's fascinating to me that you guys come over from from the UK, which is, you know, of course, the home of Harry Potter, um, <laughs> you know, and and you know they. From 2010, when Universal opened the first Wizarding World, where they opened Hogsmeade Village at, at um, Universal Islands of Adventure, I, you know, the, let's be honest, Disney wouldn't be pouring this money into the park. Disney wouldn't be building Batu. Disney wouldn't be building these incredible Marvel attractions if they weren't looking over their shoulder you know, at what Universal was doing. And in fact, to be completely honest here, Disney is absolutely terrified about what Universal is going to do with the Nintendo characters, uh, with the Nintendo games. Um, and, And I'll flat out tell you from, you know, talking with folks over at Universal Creative, they've actually, they're waiting for, you know, certain things that Disney is announcing, you know, because they're kind of planning to uh, well there's no other way to put it spoil things you know just sort of like you know the moment that disney for example unveils toy story land don't be surprised if you know a big chunk of nintendo gets revealed Mm. um they ain't playing around you know that that's in fact you know if anything you know you know particularly with batu uh being a game changer in a lot of ways but at the same time being problematic you know uh, that there there were some operational issues about Batu that are already concerning a lot of people at Disney, um, but yeah, Universal, you know, wants the people who are going to shift who've been going to Harry Potter, you know, coming and you know they and are going to now decide to go to Disney first. Uh, going to want to get them back, and the way to get them back is to do fully realized worlds uh built off of the nintendo properties uh and when you think about honestly when you think about the number of people who game now it's actually a, it's a bigger audience it's a more lucrative field than motion pictures than it has been for 10 years now um so they're the first ones through the door there and uh you know disney has to has to respond and so you know and in fact that that's it the other thing that they aren't saying about, for example, about Batu, uh, you know, you look at how elaborate and how big and how tall that is, but uh, actually in both the Anaheim and the Orlando area, there's an expansion pad that's hiding in plain sight 
that they're, they've held back for a third attraction uh, that, you know, in fact, the, the imaginaries are working on it. It's like, you know, it was like, so you have an idea, you have characters. that said, well, you know, we're kind of hoping that comes out of, you know, episode nine or the solo movie or, you know, the Boba Fett film they're talking about. Um, so, you know, they, they want to keep it loose. And in fact, that's kind of the whole deal with Galaxy's Edge is the construct there is so loose that, you know, you can bring classic characters in. You can bring characters from the trilogy. You can reference things from the new films. But anyway, I'm sorry. I've, I've wandered a field here. No, uh, we were just it's interesting you say about the video game thing because, mm. um, you know, Nintendo to me, in one way, I think because I grew up when the Mario Brothers first came out and obviously mm. it's a lot of those characters are the main focus on Nintendo World, it feels mm. a little bit almost out of date. But you're right about gaming. Uh, that when you said about how big gaming had become, I couldn't remember the actual numbers and I had to Google it. I, I, I'm a man at multitask, could you believe it? Um, there we go. But I remember that Grand Theft also had this massive... Um, launched when it came out years ago um, mm. and the first five days they sold 16 million copies which generated 1.15 billion dollars in five days you know and again it, as startling as that number is what Universal loves is the fact that we now live in an era where the generation that gamed has had kids and they now as a family game together whether yeah. it's a Mario Kart or, you know, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And so the whole notion of, you know, getting on a plane, flying to Orlando, getting uh, out, going to Universal, and then literally, you know, stepping into a cart and being able to race against family members. And, and I will tell you, uh, one of the things that the folks at Universal Creative are proudest of is the Mario thing that they're doing uh, allows you to drift. So you're not just racing, you know, the... Wow. the you know, so when you take a corner and you feel your back wheel slide out from under you, uh, you know, like we've all seen. And in fact, the, the irony is it's the, what is it, the Fast and Furious films that, that kind of, you know, uh, Tokyo Drift that introduced that, that idea. Mm. Um, which, by the way, that they're opening that soon, which, I, you know, that not quite as exciting. I, I, I don't mean to little something that hasn't opened to the world yet but uh that is really just kind of an expansion on what they did in california as the um the finale of the tram tour out there mm -hmm. and I, I will tell you the actual physical plant of the building uh what they had to do there to pull off the the, the final effect the the you know supposedly the feeling of you being on the tram and going 150 miles an hour through the streets of LA. The physical plant is so much more impressive than the actual attraction. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you think about it. You are surrounded, I want to say, 270 degrees by, uh, you know, a, a 50 or 60 foot tall screen where you can't see a single support beam. Um, you know, that, 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 that entire building is this sort of amazing piece of concrete. Uh, you know, but, but behind these screens are, are giant columns of, uh, you know, of speakers and, uh, you know, they have this amazing sound profile and you, you are this free rolling vehicle that goes all the way through the lot 
you know, pulls into this theater building and locks onto a moving platform and, and you then get rocked back and forth, you know, in, in concert with this film footage, again, that, you know, encompasses you 270 degrees, you know, I, it, again, wonderful physical plant end product not nearly as impressive but you know but but again it, it's kind of the skull island playbook where you you know uh, they did pretty much the same thing they took a, a the fight scene the peter that peter jackson helped create for the tram tour in california the king kong 360 and you know used that as sort of the the meat of a sandwich and you know built an attraction around that so mm. that's k- kind of the same thing with fast and furious and in fact uh we should know in the next couple of days when that's going to open up our, our friends from universal uh, i guess they're getting ready to reveal when the 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 actual opening of that attraction at uh universal studios florida will happen that's that's what i've heard as well um and I'd never gone on confrontation, and I've 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 spent far too many podcasts talking about that. That was mm-hmm. a big regret of my life. Um, but going on Skull Island, uh, I, I I loved I loved going on Skull mm-hmm. Island, and I know it's a different ride. I know it's it's completely mm-hmm. different. And I know it's kind of a take on from that Hollywood version, but I enjoyed it for what it was, and and you know I loved the animatronic at the end. But I think it's a good experience, but. I saw footage of the Fast and the Furious in, in Hollywood, and I'm a fan. It's my guilty pleasure franchise. I know they're terrible movies, but I I enjoy the popcorn, um, being able to kind of switch your brain off and just enjoy them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to this attraction um, anywhere near as much as I was um, Kong Skull Island. But as you said, it's not opened yet. You know, we could be pleasantly surprised. It could all well- pull together. Here's hoping, you know, that uh, to be honest, when you talk with the folks at Universal about it, they honestly sound more excited about the the queue here sort of elaborates or, you know, moves the, the, the concept for the Jimmy Fallon queue forward. You know, the whole notion of, you know, you're not standing in line, you, you know, you have fun things to do. In this case, it's take pictures of vehicles and wander around and look sets and costumes and only when it is actually time to ride, do you have to queue up and go? Um, you know, let's be completely honest here. Fallon, you know, that that's the, the ride doesn't live up to the queue. And I say that as a guy who lives in the States and could watch Jimmy Fallon, you know, maybe if they do a, a Jimmy Kimmel ride, I'll go on that. But yeah, it's just, it's not, much of a ride you know i mean i you know i i think you know i mean don't get me wrong it has that wonderful joke that you know uh, you know that's like when it's completed this is you know this will reach the earth at when it's completed you know i mean i just i i that you know that for me i that all right you know that that's that part i enjoyed but the rest of it just seems so ridiculously self-indulgent and and in fact, I felt really bad for them because when they started building that, when they started working on that attraction, uh, Jimmy Fallon was number one in late night. He was the, the the top late night performer. And what's happened, thanks to Mr. Trump, is because Jimmy doesn't do political humor, but Kimmel and Steve Colbert love political humor. Mm. Um, he's now like third. You know, it, uh, and uh, some nights a very distant third, 
Uh, well, you know, the other two were just, you know, right on top of all the news and doing some incredibly biting, funny stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know if I were universal in the whole notion of uh, how much did we spend on the attraction for the guy who's in third place? It's like, woohoo! you know, boy, that was a good business decision. So, Craig, I know you've probably been chomp- chomping at a bit during that conversation. Um, just because Jim doesn't know, uh, that's probably Craig's favorite attraction at Universal now, so I'll allow you the really? chance to reply. Okay. okay. Jim, what I've got is King Kong and Jimmy Fallon. As I'm mm-hmm. getting older, mm-hmm. um, I struggle on the, the roller coasters. Um, wow. Some of the older 3D stuff or some of the older screen stuff can turn your stomach green, like Harry Potter. Oh, or Forbidden Journey. Si- Forbidden Journey, yeah, or Simpsons. That's another one. Um, but these two rides are just fun. And coming out of Fallon, for me, it's got re-rideability because there's so many Easter eggs going on at the same time on the screen. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. In fact, you know, that, that uh, so you've seen his wife and daughter in it, right? Or yeah, uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and you know, and I love that. Don't get me wrong; I love they have they have things like the pizza smell. I love, uh, you know, the and, and like I said, the. Uh, but what's interesting is for you folks who are in the market who don't get found. I mean, don't get me wrong; we, we all live in this age now where you can hop on YouTube, and if you want to see Jimmy Fallon, you can see Jimmy Fallon. But what was so funny when they were developing this attraction? Was that you know the, when they laid the you know they brought people in and and asked them what would you know what would you expect from a ride featuring Jimmy Fallon and they had the logo of the Tonight Show which of course features the moon and the, the thing is they brought in a set of, a group of foreign tourists and you know sort of asked well you know would you be interested in the Jimmy Fallon attraction and they began pointing to the moon like oh we get to go to the moon. And it was like, oh, whoa, we, you know, we, we thought we'd just be racing around New York, but it's like, that's an interesting idea. You know, it's like, particularly for our international guests, who are going to walk up to the outside of the building and see the logo for the, the Tonight Show and see the moon. So it's like, okay, now we got to go to the moon. And, you know, and that was the, the half the fun was the conceit they created for this attraction was loose enough that they could do that. Um, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. It's 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 a perfectly fine attraction. In fact, I love the physical plan of the place. And and as a longtime fan of late night television, I love the museum downstairs. With, oh yeah, you know, with Carson and Steve Allen and Jack Parr, and you know, and the fact that they were gracious enough even to include, you know, a tribute to the five minutes that Conan did the show. You know, I, I just sort of like. I, you know? That was that was my because I I've got a a massive chip on my shoulder when it comes to Conan because I, I, like you say it's very funny in in the UK because we don't get these late night shows properly mm-hmm. but what will happen is um, and it happened a lot in the nineties so mm-hmm. a channel will start in in the UK on on satellite or whatever and they'll go we're going to show Letterman and mm-hmm. we'll show it a day late but we're going to show Letterman. And they'll mm-hmm. make this big hoo-ha about it, and they'll show it at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning or something stupid, and they'll do that for a while, and then it will stop. But for some, I think because NBC have news channels in the UK, or did have news channels in the UK, um, mm-hmm. they would always show highlights of late night. So we'd get uh, Leno, and we used to get Conan as well, like mm-hmm. when he when he was the the late late 
host. Yep. Um, so I got into Conan watching that. And so, you know, I, I knew things. I've got a, um, a cuddly triumph, the, the insult comic dog. Um, mm-hmm. I loved all those kind of bits. Um, and so when he got the, the job from Leno and then that all kicked off and, you know, then he got outed a few months later, um, I took that quite personally. I felt very, very sad for Conan. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. They, they did include him him in there because he is part of the history. Uh, oh no, no absolutely, absolutely, and he he was doing amazing work, and you know, I mean, if you talk with the people at NBC, that was strictly a a business decision. But though, again, the I, I don't know if you know them, the moron move that they did, they were so frightened about Jay Leno when they like they cut Jay Leno loose. Uh, Jay initially was actually talking with Disney, you know, the whole notion. In oh. fact, it, it kind of a really dark period. Uh, what Disney was considering doing because, you know, NBC was basically forcing Jay Leno out to bring Conan O'Brien in. Um, what So Jay turns around and starts talking with Disney about, well, you know, I'm going to be free and, you know, hey, do you want me to come over and start doing a similar show on ABC? And Jimmy Kimmel had just started doing the Kimmel show. And so ABC kind of feels like Kimmel about how would you feel about sliding back to say, oh, I don't know, the, the Conan O'Brien slot? You know, just like, <laughs> you know, the 1230 to 130. You know, how would you feel about that? Because we could possibly get Jay. And uh, that actually kind of explains, I don't know if you remember how mean Kimmel was to Jay Leno when, you know, that, that it was announced that he was taking uh, over the Tonight Show again. Uh, but yeah, there, there's uh, boy, there's a lot of stories there. Um, well, I also but... watched a film in the in the nineties. They made a a film of a book. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. this is still disaster dark, by the way, listeners. We'll we'll get back to the parts <laughs> in a second. But this is, this is far too interesting for me to not talk about. Um, yeah. But they did a they did a film on I think it was HBO did it called The Late Shift, and it was about the ninety two they... uh, you know shift from jo- uh, Johnny Carson to. Um, Leno or Letterman um, and how that obviously went down so knowing about that film and it's a dramatised film but still knowing mm-hmm. about that element of the story and then seeing what happened with Conan all those years later um, I'm just very bitter about Jay Leno basically <laughs> I, I, I completely understand you know that I spent a, a number of years in stand up myself I mean you, you know in the pre Paleozoic age uh, but you know, and the weird thing is that there's a lot of people who love Jay. There's a lot of people who hate Jay. Uh, but but interestingly enough, the, the 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 late shift that you talk about that that's a uh, based on a book by Bill Carter. He did an absolutely amazing book about the Jay Leno uh, Conan O'Brien thing. If you if oh. you enjoyed that movie, you have to seek out this book i'm blanking the name of it but it is as good if not better but you know it, it, in fact it's kind of a natural sequel to that and to be honest i'm kind of stunned that that, that hbo hasn't done that movie yet um <laughs> but but no 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 definitely seek that out and and again i'm sorry we are not talking about theme parks no or, or uh, Disney. i i i, I led you down that path <laughs> okay so okay um what no i i what you what you're saying about um uh, Jimmy Fallon is entirely valid. It's a good, solid uh, ride. More to the point, the very thing you're talking about about you know is 
that much easier to ride, you know, because face it, you know, Forbidden Journey for a lot of people, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, I want to enjoy an attraction and have kidney function afterwards, you know, and, <laughs> definitely, definitely. you know, and, and, you know, and, and at the same time, um, look again, I, I, I love what Universal Creative has done. Uh, but at the same time, I have a number of heavy friends who, frankly, have had issues both with uh, uh, Harry Potter and the, the Forbidden Journey and uh, Harry Potter and Escape from Gringotts. You know that that, and 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 I get it because the ride is so intense. You do need uh, a ride system or restrain uh, rest, uh, restraints to hold people in, you know, because again, nobody likes flying out of the car and, you know, you're getting hit by a mechanical dementor, but, but, you know, well, if you just... do, you'll love the new Spider-Man attraction at Anaheim. I think that's the lesson <laughs> that we've learned tonight so far. There we go. There yeah. we go. But um, no, you're but right. Yeah. We went on that in September. Mm-hmm. And again, I hadn't been on that ride in seven years and, and Craig had not long come back from Orlando when he went with his family. Mm-hmm. And he yep. said to me, um, Oh, if we have to go on it, we'll go on it. But it made me feel really green last time. And I was like, don't be such a wuss. And I came off it, and I've never come off a ride feeling that sick. And when it first opened, we went on that, because it was just after Hogwarts had first opened. Hogsmeade had first opened. Um, I mean, my my wife must have gone on that, uh, lost probably ten times during that trip. Um, and that one time I was like, I never want to go on it again not in its current state and I can only assume that it's just over time usual wear and tear um, that it's made the rice a little bit rougher than it than it was or after old one of the two you know to be honest it was always rough you know and in fact I think what's interesting is that when they switched over to do digital projection which made the images that much clearer uh, you know they they they, they began to have even more issues. And in fact, I don't know if you, you got to experience it when they did the whole Quidditch goggles thing when it was in 3d. Um, yeah, that, you know, and, and, and I hate this not to be crude here, but they have those wonderful detailed sets, which I imagine are very difficult to clean. Uh, you know, and if you're heaving people about on flying benches, it's just sort of, I, I think that the Disney term is protein spill. Protein spill. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it just sort of like you kind of feel bad, but um, but no, it, it look, it, it's an amazing attraction. They've done an incredible job, and let's not forget they are in fact expanding uh, Hogsmeade even as we we speak. Uh, they pulled down just last year the the Dragon Challenge and got themselves six new acres of land, mm-hmm. and wait till you see what comes out of the Forbidden Forest. So, but you didn't hear that from me. So. <laughs> Jim, is it possible for us to just take the plane back? Uh, as much as I love being at Universal, but take the plane back to to Paris and to Disneyland Paris, because there were a couple of things that I wanted to ask you um, with regards to the new lands, but especially the Marvel bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the main one for me being is when I looked at the plans, um, mm-hmm. you know, they took away my beloved Cinemagic. I loved that attraction; it was my mm-hmm. my favorite. I, I saw it every trip, no matter what. Um, they took that away and obviously you can see on the plans what they're doing and um i don't know if you i'm I'm sure you must know but where rock and roller coaster is currently is where um across from that is where you meet spider-man and later this summer will be where you meet captain america instead uh taking spider-man away from that uh be Mm -hmm. captain america which should 
proved very popular to the French because he's the lowest grossing uh, Marvel superhero in the uh, the Marvel films out there. Um, but I was looking at the the rest of the kind of designs and the plans, and mm-hmm. just past Cinemagic, you've got two other studio attractions, which is Stitch Live, which is like a Crush's Talk type of thing, um, mm-hmm. and you've got Disney Junior Playhouse Live on stage. Now, because of the the artwork, you couldn't see anything to do with those buildings. But you could see them on the map. But what I mean is you couldn't see any kind of change to them. But it would, to me, it would seem really odd if they themed everything else in that area to be Marvel and left those two places as they are. Do you know if they are going to be changed from what they are at the moment? Well, all right. Now, let's remember, uh, again, we're talking Walt Disney Studios Paris here. Uh, we've already got sort of our Pixar land, you know, with the, the Toy Story thing and the Ratatouille and Crush's Coaster and that sort of thing. And um, look, Disney is actually talking about doing in much the same way that they've just done a uh, a, a live-ish uh, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, with, with Emma Watson and, you know, the like. And, you know, in fact, they've, they've They've got a, evidently a wonderful new uh, version of Aladdin that Guy Ritchie uh, did for them mm-hmm. uh, with, with Will Smith playing the genie and that sort of thing. So they're, it, one of the things they are talking about doing is a Lilo and Stitch, but real Lilo, real Nani, and a CG Stitch. Uh, oh, and heaven to me. You know, and Jumba, you know, I mean, again, doing the whole, all of the aliens, you know, that same thing. But so, um, you know, you will, you know, but but think about it. If you actually look at the the physical plant for the meat stitch thing, it's it's a building, (laughs) you know, with a screen uh, that you could pretty much move anywhere. You could, you know, so Mm. anticipate that it's far more likely because, again, you, 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 you have to balance out these parks, all right? The Marvel, uh, you know, that there's, there's kind of a cliche within Disney right now to the effect of Marvel appeals mostly to young teen boys, though uh, I would expect that when, you know, just the way people are reacting to uh, Shuni, Shuri, uh, the, 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 the sister of Black Panther in the Black Panther movie, likewise with the Captain Marvel movie that just yep. has just started shooting uh, with Brie Larson that, you know, that, uh, you know, that's really kind of short-sighted and doesn't really apply. Mm. Um, so, you know, they, they're going to be trying to balance this out to make, you know, so, but evidently that's the argument about, and we're building the frozen land to appeal to, you know, all the, the young girls who run to the back and, you know, and, and, and in fact, that's, you know, it, it's not not a coincidence that you have. Um, you know, if you look at the the redo the the rebuilt map, uh, you know that you have Batu to one side, and you have, uh, you know that that you have Frozen to the other, and it just the notion is they want you to walk to the back of the park. And at that point, be so tired, you know, that, you know, well, I should probably eat in one of these restaurants and I probably should buy something. Uh, you know, Marvel, you know, that's the thing. Marvel really is, when you think about it, is is kind of the midpoint of the park. You're going to hit Marvel coming and going. Um, but, you know, the, but Batu and, and, and Arendelle, you know, that's way the hell back there. Uh, so... 
Yes. To get back to your question, the the Stitch attraction and the Disney Junior thing, um, both of those really are kind of you can move them anywhere, okay. uh, and they they want uh, and again not to belabor the whole Universal point, but like Harry Potter, they want a consistent world. They want when you enter Marvel, you are in Marvel. You know they don't want. Uh, you know, it, it, in fact, that's one of the reasons why Bugs Land is going away in California. They want, uh, that Hollywood studio section is basically going away. Uh, that will become Marvel Land. You know, in, in fact, uh, you know, the, you know, again, apologizing to Pixar fans, but if, if you really love the Mike and Solo do the rescue, the Monsters Inc. ride, you really want to get in some rides soon. Because uh, that's where the Tron coaster that's being built at Walt Disney World uh, is eventually going to end up as the Captain America ride. So, um, but yeah, that that's that whole section, that whole Hollywood backlot studio thing. Uh, if we're jumping ahead to 2020, 2021, uh, that's that's Marvel, you know. And and interestingly enough, one of the things that's powering this decision and and they are throwing a crazy money at this to try to get this done as quickly as possible. Um, that's largely on the back of the fear of what happens to Disneyland, uh, when they open star Wars galaxy's edge. Um, because there is a fear that, that they've done a lot of survey work. They've done, they've talked to a lot of annual pass holders about what they expected to. They've, they've interviewed, you know, pulled a lot of people into focus groups. And there is a genuine fear that when they open uh, Batu in 2019, there's going to be 100 days out of a year where Disneyland, Disneyland Park, not the Disneyland Resort, uh, Disneyland Park will have to close its, its gates at 9 o'clock in the morning because it will be full. And then won't be able to reopen till sometime after four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And you just can't do that. You can't, you know, I mean, Disneyland is, is one of the number one tourist attractions, you know, in Southern California, if not the planet. Uh, and so in order to to balance out the situation, the notion is that the only way to get people out of Disneyland is to put, you know, a brand new land in to California Adventure that is as good, if not better. And that's what they're trying to do now. They, they, they you know, they're, they're loading up the money cannon and aiming it at, you know, California Adventure. You know, some of the stuff you're seeing actually happen this summer with the whole uh, Pixar Pier project, which I, I, kind, I find kind of dumb, but I get it. You know, I mean, the whole notion is to be able to market like, oh, you love Pixar. Well, you really should go over to California Adventure. I mean, it's, oh, they've got that coaster and, oh, they've got that Toy Story Media ride. You you really should go over there. Well, it's working. It's working, Jim, because, Mm. um, you know, I've debated, you know, my children are getting to an age now where I'd like to take them back to, um, sorry, take them to America for the first time. Um, And my wife's always wanted, my wife has always wanted to go uh, back to to Walt Disney World because that's where we've gone to and where we've loved. But Mm -hmm. my kids are now obsessed with uh, Toy Story, especially I've got an autistic son and he is really obsessed with Toy Story. Um, Mm -hmm. And he loves those Toy Story shorts. Now, I've shown my daughter the picture of Poultry Palace. 
Oh. That's the only place on, in the world. She doesn't care about Mickey, <laughs> meeting Mickey Mouse anymore. She wants to eat at that chicken place that was in the cartoon. And it doesn't even really? look like it. It doesn't even look like the same restaurant in the, in the cartoon. But yeah. she knows what it is. And she's like, Daddy, when can we go? Oh. Yeah, well, well, Daddy's credit card allows him to. Yeah, that's they've got that itty bitty buzz right out front. You're right. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry because, <laughs> uh, you know, the one in Florida is actually going to, uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it, it is still what it is. I mean, it's it's sort of, you know, you've got a coaster, you've got a spinner, you've got a lot of Toy Story theming, and you know, they 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 have reorientated. Uh, the entrance to Toy Story Mania, so it's it's now faces into that land as opposed to, uh, you know, the Pixar Place thing. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's you know, be ready very soon. That street goes away. Uh, you know that that becomes a backstage area. Uh, what happens to the monkeys? Well, you know, there's Animal Kingdom. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> You know, people will go, and it's like they don't seem very active. Um, but you know, you know, just no. It, it's see, that's the thing. You know, the people have to understand that the the traffic pattern, uh, the traditional traffic pattern, the ways they experienced uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios fundamentally changes with the um, with the opening of Toy Story, and then of course uh, when Batu opens 2019, and and then you know the other two pieces of the puzzle here. Uh, you know the the Star Wars hotel that uh, is going to happen sooner than later, and and what's kind of intriguing about that is I don't know if you you saw the story that came out of the D twenty three Expo that they held in Japan earlier this year, but Bob Chapek stood on stage and promised that there will be a seamless transition uh, from that hotel over to the park and. That's, you know, well, let's just put it this way. If you've ridden on the Hogwarts Express, that, you know, you you might have a similar experience as one travels from the, supposedly the space station that's orbiting Batuu down to the surface of the planet. Uh, And then let's remember that that, um, you've got uh, the old animation courtyard and, you know, and which, you know, they really want to hook up Toy Story Land, uh, make it so, for example, you can get from Tower of Terror over to Toy Story Land and circle back into, uh, you know, uh, Batu, the Galaxy's Edge, without uh, using any of the pre-existing streets. So that they want to create sort of a grand boulevard that runs down into there, and uh, that will be other properties you know in fact for the longest time that's been uh where monsters inc was supposed to go and i've just recently been hearing that uh they may be going in enough another way that that you know it it it, you know um pixar and disney are at kind of an interesting moment right now it used to be that uh disney made a lot of decisions based on the fact well John Lasseter really likes this, and we want to keep John happy, so let's mm. do that. And it's still not determined whether or not John's coming back. I I wouldn't necessarily put a whole lot of stock in Mr. Lasseter returning. I, but... um, I, I think at this stage, and obviously, you know, we talked about this at the time that things were happening, but mm-hmm. um, I agree. Um, 
I, I can't in this day and age with, with what's going on. I think it would be a a very strange move. Um, mm. And knowing the family friendly nature of the company, um, I think they'd be fearful of the backlash. And so I don't. I think if he if he was to come back, it would not be in the uh, almost mascot like capacity that he was before. Mm. Because he was, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, oh no, 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 front no. and center you, of everything, you know. You are so ridiculously right. I cannot begin to tell you. I mean, I, I look. I've bit. been writing about, you know, uh, you know. Um, I, I've been writing about the Walt Disney Company. God help me, nineteen eighty-four. Um, all right, and I, I will tell you from the moment John Lasseter came through the door. As, you know, in January 2006, when, you know, suddenly Disney made the deal and, you know, Lasseter was in charge of Pixar. Lasseter was in charge of Disney feature animation. That Lasseter was consulting at Imagineering. Um, you couldn't do an interview at Disney without somebody somehow shoehorning John's name into the conversation. You know, it, it became, you know, I don't want to say it was like Stalin, you know, you know to, to the effect of our, our glorious leader. Let's, let's think just... of it more like um, Poochie. Let's, let's, you know, say he was more <laughs> like the Poochie of the Walt Disney okay. Company. Okay, all right. I, I, I get the Simpsons reference. Very cool. Um, no, it was bizarre. It was it was just one of these things. You'd be talking with somebody, and they, they would be working in consumer products, and you know, you'd be looking like at baby clothes. And you know, it's like, oh, well, these are cute. And it's like, well, John Lasseter signed off on the design. He believed strongly in, in Dumbo, and it's a character that's underused. And of course, we thought that was a great idea, and we leaped on it. And it was just sort of like, you know, Really? You know, to, you know, does John ever sleep? Because he seems to be doing everything at Disney. It's like, well, he was just in here with a broom cleaning up. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, so I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting in this period to watch, you know, folks. It's like, you know, there's going to be that awkward pause. Like, oh, yeah, this is where we're supposed to talk about John Lasseter. Um, I, just or, or we know, I know it's, so. again, it's not going to the theme park thing, but it, it's just comes to mind it's not something we talked about um the other week but i think it's quite uh, a key moment possibly for pixar at the moment which is that um darla k anderson recently stepped yeah, aside yeah and th- th- it hasn't really been reported like i'm not i obviously saw a story but for someone that's been i think quite an integral part of, of pixar over the last uh you know 15 20 years or so um to suddenly just disappear after the oscars um, I think that's that's quite scary. Well, and, and God, you are so right. I mean, think about it. This is the woman who producer on Bugs Life, producer on Monsters Inc., produces on Cars, uh, producer on Toy Story Three, uh, and uh, honestly, the story. Think about it, Coco. The fact that the story of Coco ended with that taking home, you know, the the best Oscar for the animated feature. You know, think about it. When five years ago, with you know the, the the Hispanic community was up in arms because Disney, you know, some lawyer at Disney had, you know, tried to, you know, <laughs> they, they had this list of names. Maybe the movie was going to be called, you know, Dias del Moros, and it's like, okay, let me copyright that name, and and they're like, <laughs> you are copywriting our, our 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 history, our heritage, our holiday, and it's a, sort of like, you know, the fact that they're trying to make that movie in the middle of that, and then of course. 
you know, there's a here's the wonderful book of life that comes out that's, you know, on the same exact turf and, mm. you know, telling much the same story. And it's just sort of like the fact that when they finally, you know, Coco got beaten up all the way to when it made it into theaters and then suddenly people are like oh it's wonderful never mind um you know the reason they got through that process was darla you know you you know that people you know that's the thing people talk all the time about animation directors and how crucial they are and don't get me wrong you know when you, you when you go to see a Brad Bird movie, you see a Brad Bird movie, all right? You know, that, 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 that's, that's definitely felt, you know, filtered through his storytelling sensibilities. Likewise, Pete Doctor, you look at Monsters, Inc., you look at Inside Out, you know, only a Pete Doctor can do that. But at the same time, you know, the, the person who's standing behind them, who's getting it done every day, you know, who, you know, pushing through the software that you need to pull off a particular effect. I mean, you know, for example, in Inside Out, when you look at how, you know, the, the creatures inside the brain have that just sort of fuzzy edge, that that was you know, a level of, of animation software that had never existed before. And it was like, I, you know, that's a really cool effect. Can we get that? It's like, you know, it's it, every one of these movies in their own weird sort of way was a moonshot. And it was Darla over and over and over again who righted the ship, who kept them on course, who got them, you know, made sure they made their release dates, who when the film fell apart and they all fell apart, all right, you know, they dusted things off and got things back on their feet and kept going. Now, for me, what was fascinating about what happened with Darla is think about it. The Academy Awards get handed out on Sunday night. On Friday night, the following Friday, you know, and, and again, this is how Hollywood works. When you want to bury a story, you release it Friday afternoon, just, you know, as after Wall Street is closed. And suddenly here, Friday afternoon, is this announcement that Darla K. Anderson is, is exiting Pixar. And not only is she exiting Pixar, but she's got, you know, um, there are, as part of this press release, there were wonderful notes from Bob Iger. There are wonderful notes from Ed Catmull. You know, so when you look at that, that's not spontaneous. You know, that's something that's been in the works for a while. Yeah. You know, so it's like you have to then take the the 5,000 foot view and it's like, how long has this been in the works? And when did she make the decision to do this? And and again, I'm sorry you have to ask, you know, but, but it's like how much of this is because John may not be coming back? I mean, because, you know, there's two ways that went, you know, that, that's, you know, is she doing this in solidarity because John is not coming back or is she doing this because when they decided who was going to be running Pixar post Lassiter, she wasn't invited to the table. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that story can go. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty damn interesting. And. You know, uh, you know, and and never mind that her her wife is also a big time producer. You know, at Pixar, mm. so uh, yeah, that that's that's got to be a little concerning. You know that that you know if, if Darla goes out today, no, Ms. Ray go with 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 her. Well, and also uh, as well, it's it's only a few months after um, that you had the Toy Story four. Um, story that broke about uh oh what's the actress's name oh god she's uh, shadow giants 
Well done. Yeah. Thank you for the save. Uh, yeah. What's the next? Sharida Jones? Rashida. Rashida, of course you. it is. No, yeah. you're right. It is Rashida Jones, um, who uh, has been in Parks and Rec. Um, and she was, and the daughter of Quincy Jones. And she was um, at one point writing, I, I think she wrote the initial draft of Toy Story 4 with her mm-hmm. partner. And one day she just wasn't writing it. And when the John Lester th- thing uh, came out, uh, because she kept quiet, um, they started making association that maybe um, it was an incident that involved her that led her to go. But she actually, you know, released a statement and said, you know, to put these rooms to, to bed, you know, it was really because of uh, the diversity or lack thereof at Pixar, where women weren't given these kind of opportunities. And it's quite interesting that that was said a few months ago, and then, and we don't know why, but suddenly such a big, important person involved in Pixar leaves. And not to further belabor this issue, but you have to understand that whenever people will talk about, you know, for example, when Brenda Chapman left as director of Brave, uh, one of the default positions for defending Pixar was like, okay, so we don't have a female director, but look at our producers. Look at every one of the producers in the building are here, powerful women who who do these films. Um, before we change the subject on, on, on Toy Story 4, though, uh, I, I have to tell a story. Um, okay. Uh, this is the first D23 2007 September uh, and at that event, I was lucky enough, along with a handful of, of other journalists, to get a, a roundtable going with John Lasseter. Uh, you know, we, the, we were backstage at the Anaheim Convention Center, and, and I don't know why, but you know, over this roundtable session, it, it basically devolved to just John and I talking. And John proceeded to tell stories about how there wouldn't be a Pixar if it hadn't been for his wife, Nancy Lasseter, that if you know the history of the uh, uh, Pixar, that for so many years they were that company that Steve Jobs bought from George Lucas that made computers that, that you could do computer animation on. And and they made these shorts to try to sell the computers. And, you know, only over time did they sort of get into filmmaking and make the shorts and, but, you know, the, the thing is, while John was working at this thing that looked like it was going to crash and burn every day he went into work, in fact, that's the part of the story that people never tell about Pixar, about how Steve Jobs spent like three years trying to sell Pixar because he thought it was a money pit. You know, just sort of like, this stupid company, I can't believe I got shafted with this, I want to get rid of it. And it's like, right up until Toy Story came out, and then suddenly, I love these guys! You know, <laughs> you know. but yeah, I mean, right up until the end, he's trying to sell, you know, get rid of it, because he, he doesn't get it. But anyway, John talked about how there wouldn't have been a Pixar if he hadn't had his wife Nancy at home, and she was the one at that point she also worked in, in computers. She, she was the one who who made all the money, who kept the lights on, who, you know, kept him focused a lot, you know, put him in a position so he could do this. And then, you know, once Toy Story opens and John is suddenly hailed as a genius, it's this weird, weird, weird moment where, you know, for example, they'd go out to uh, events, uh, you know, in um you know, in Hollywood or, or uh, up in uh, San Francisco. And it was just the whole notion of, you know, well, you know, and who are you? I'm Nancy Lasseter. And, you know, and and, and it's like, uh, you know, and, and a woman who used to be able to explain about her wonderful year in computers and that sort of thing. 
uh, a career in computers and and then you know I'm then so I said oh John's wife and you know how suddenly you know she was suddenly in the back seat that that she was the one who got pushed out of the spotlight and so long story short when Toy Story four was initially put into production um, this was supposed to be the Valentine to Nancy Lasseter all right that that I don't know if you know. The, the the original story of Toy Story four that basically, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, you know, the whole thing about a uh, Bo Peep, you know, mm. that that the, the, in fact there's that wonderful moment in Toy Story three where you know the the you know okay everybody round up and it's like Woody this is all of us that's left, and mm. you know they, they you know that we've lost some friends along the way and there's this great beat where Woody you actually see Woody sort of cave in for a moment cuz yeah we you know and you know he, he's thinking about Bo he's he, you know that she and as the story went there was a yard sale and the lamp got sold off and he he you know never got to see her again and so anyway t- the way the story for Toy Story 4 was supposed to play out is you know he they're now at Bonnie's house and it's been a number of years and just totally by accident Woody learns that Bo is just a hu- couple of houses over. And it then becomes this, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet. He, he sneaks out the window and, and gets to talk with her for the first time in years. And he still loves her and she still loves him. And now it's a rescue mission. It's it's reuniting this great Toy Story couple and, and you know, that, that bringing her back onto the canvas. And the, But the whole thing, the whole notion of it was that this was supposed to be the film, you know, that 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 finally paid tribute to Nancy Lasseter, the, the the woman without whose efforts there would be no Pixar. And so, but here's the thing that, you know, I did that interview in 2007, and I, every time I went to go do it, and I, you know, I kept bringing the story out and getting it ready to publish on Mother's Day, the folks at Pixar would ask me to kick the can down the road a little further because it's like, well, we haven't announced Toy Story 4 or we haven't begun production or, you know. And so for me, when suddenly they're announcing that John has stepped away from the film, because remember, he hadn't directed for a while. And that was the whole thing of John is going back and directing Toy Story 4. And why is he doing that? Because the whole world doesn't know it's a, it's a Valentine to his wife. You know, and so, you know, when they pulled him off the movie, that was my first indication, like, okay, what the hell's going on here? Uh, and now I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have this wonderful story that I have been sitting on for more than a decade, and I can't tell it, <laughs> you know, uh, because the, 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 you know, now I, you know, I just, you have to wonder what it's like at the last Sitter Vineyard with John sort of sitting around the house you know, waiting to find out whether or not he'll be allowed to come back into work. Um, but again, let's remember here that just because you leave Disney or Pixar doesn't necessarily mean your career is over. I mean, you know, I mean, just the same past Academy Awards, you, you saw Glenn Keane, master Disney animator on stage, getting his Oscar for, uh, for love of basketball, and he just and oddly enough, you remember this was the guy who was directing uh, Rapunzel and Braided, and got pulled off of that project when it got turned into Tangled. Uh, he's now doing, I want to say, Moonflight. Um, yeah, I mean, it's look, just because you leave Disney doesn't mean your career is over. And 
more to the point, if John Lasseter doesn't go back to do, you know, to do be in charge of Pixar, to be in charge of Disney again, there are some very powerful, very rich people that will be standing outside that door. And it's like, hi, let's set up Lasseter Studios. It could be you the know. next, uh, it could be the next Don Bluth. Well, yeah, you know, that's, you know, and, 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 you know, let's remember that there wouldn't honestly have been a Disney evolution or a revolution in the early 80s if Don hadn't walked out the door and took half the animation staff with him to go make Secret of Nim. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, being the next Don Bluth wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. You know, really go out there and shake things up. Well, you say that, but for every Secret of Nim, there's a rockadoodle, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, like, they can't all be great films. So, and that concludes part one of uh, our shows with Jim Hill. The great thing about Jim is we cover so many things, but we recorded for almost two and a half hours, and we felt it was going to be too much to do as one podcast. So we split it into two. So, um, this is the end of part one. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be releasing part two of our interview with Jim Hill in the next few days. So please like and subscribe and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the After Dark Network. On behalf of the other After Dark Podcast Network hosts, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast.